So, Emmanuel, bon dia. Bon dia. <laughs> <Welcome. Yeah. laughs> uh, great to see your, uh, you, uh, Luba. And uh, yes, I, you know, when we first met, um, I just you're a very special human being, a special soul that that I really uh, love learning from you as well. And and I'm glad that uh, I'm able to uh, share some of my experiences and things, as well as kind of um, thing that something that's kind of run my life in terms of looking at how to uh, adapt and solve impossible problems. So I'll talk about that. Just a bit of background on myself. Um, my day job, I work at Google. I'm a, a lead, a, an executive leader at Google, uh, working in the enterprise sales uh, space, kind of the digital disruptors in the industry. Uh, and then uh, my, my weekends and my extracurricular are in the entertainment space, teaching, doing a lot of really extracurricular things in, in music and and um, in dance and, another, uh, and a bunch of other uh, really interesting things. My daughter's a famous dancer with Jennifer Lopez um, with World of Dance. My youngest son's a voice actor that I'm helping and managing and becoming his agent for a little while. And then my oldest son uh, worked at Tesla for a bit. Now he does uh, electric car racing, manages uh, electric car racing um, and the, in the entertainment space too. And, and uh, other than that, another fun fact is I'm about to break a world record in June with the Google Orchestra uh, for the world's largest conductor's baton. And we're gonna attempt it on, in June. And, you know, so my, my day job, is people go to the weekend to get away from work. I go to work to get away from my weekend, okay? That tells you a little bit. <laughs> love it, love it. The word uh, empresario comes to mind, Emmanuel. Yes. <laughs> <clears throat> Fantastic. Well, look, um, we connected, um, um, you know, initially, as you said, through some of the trains we've done, but what really fascinated with, 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 with me in our early discussions was your interest in the Rubik's Cube and yes. how, to, how to solve this, but more, more importantly, how to think about the way you go about solving it as a model for problem solving in general. Um, and I know you've done a lot of work around um, you know, training people to, to kind of to do this. And that's one of the reasons I wanted you to come on the show today. So can you talk a little bit about the cube and what it has to offer as that model for problem solving? Sure. Um, so uh, let me give you a little bit of background as well on me. So uh, mm. for me, you know, I'm in sales. I'm, uh, you, as you, when you get to, to know me, you find I do talk a lot. I talk very fast. I'm in sales. Um, but that, that, that's the underlying kind of superpower I have, which is ADHD. Right is paying attention and, and being able to focus on things, and, and it has been very difficult in my life. And but yet, uh, I've always been interested in in a lot of different eclectic things. Right. So what what I've done is I used it as a method to look at how I can explain a problem or how do I get past the problem. Right. And the cube method was just simply I, I learned how to 
just first moving around. I never learned any algorithms, didn't learn anything. I literally just took it one step at a time. And, and as I learned how to do it, and then I finally solved it when I was a lot younger, I started to realize that uh, I, I could compare it to what was in my real world problem solving. And then I started mm. to teach others. And then that, that blossomed into an amazing kind of uh, talk that I do for uh, a bunch of executives. I did you know, uh, this around the world. I, I've uh, taught leaders. Uh, I've, I've taught salespeople. I've taught engineers, uh, data scientists, kind of looking at their impossible problems, whether it's in life, uh, in general, personal uh, life problems, um, career path, getting promoted, uh, technical issues, uh, or just in general, kind of just getting uh, getting uh, a puzzle done and figuring out how do I break it down, right? So that that's kind of what I find is that what got me uh, into it was really a way for me to deal with my way of solving problems, and then I mm -hmm. was able to relay it back to a very uh, you know a, a very uh, easy approach to kind of looking at a very complicated problem. Yeah, yeah, no, that, it's it's fantastic journey, and and I love. The idea of how you bring simplicity uh, from the complexity because like how many ways have you solved the cube there's a there's a phenomenal amount well, of potential yeah solution. so so I'll, I'll go through a few things uh just really mm. quickly when you take a look at the cube like any problem it's usually daunting right when you look at any problem mm. and uh the cube itself has you know 54 pieces it's got 26 different, uh, well, I, I should say 54 different like stickers or sides, right? So if you look at that, and then it's got 26 different pieces. Uh, it has 42 quintillion ways of solving. That's more than grains of sand on wow. it. So because wow. when I move one thing, it, it, other things will move. So if I get one thing in the right spot, other things will move, so it's very dependent. Um, yeah. But you know, one of the things that we learned when we talked about the cube is narrowing it down from 42 quintillion to 54 uh, sides or stickers uh, down to 26 pieces. And then you start to realize that there's truths of the cube, like the centers don't move. So as an example, uh, white is always opposite yellow. Blue is always opposite green. Um, red is always opposite orange. So no matter what I do, white is always opposite yellow. Like, so now that I know that I've narrowed it down into its core components, I now have centers. I also have kind of uh, edges, which are two pieces, and then I have corners, which are three three colors. So now I've now narrowed it down into three pieces. And by the way, the centers don't move, which means mm. I can't really do anything about it, and I just work around them. So that's really more my guide or my map to say what color this is. So that's white center. That means it's a white side. So now I've just narrowed it down to 42 quintillion, 54, 26, down to three, and one of them doesn't move. So really, I only have two pieces to worry about: edges and corners. Yeah, that's it. Beautiful, beautiful. And it's the idea of chunking something down when you've got a big task into what you can actually bring your focus on in terms of your ability to impact it, yeah? Um, and right. so... And if, you look, and if you look at it, there's kind of four areas that you, you really look at a mm -hmm. problem, right? And cube in solving the cube is exactly the same. There's no difference. And again, people use this same method whether they call it this or not. Uh, Elon Musk uses it to launch rockets. You have... Uh, uh, Steve Jobs used it to uh, launch the marketing plan for Apple. Uh, you've got uh, data scientists that use it to solve very complicated uh, models and algorithm uh, uh, and machine learning models. Um, all of it is kind of in the same thing, but there's four kind of things that you have to do. Is One is breaking down the problem uh, you know, into smaller, more manageable steps, right? And that's the key to this whole thing is doing that. 
The other thing is identifying patterns. So looking for relationships between one thing and another. So the fact that the centers don't move in the white uh, center means that that's the center. So looking for patterns of where things are at. And then being able to look at how do I move one piece to another is a problem-solving skill. So mm -hmm. that, that's kind of one of the things. And the other thing is looking at problems instead of being stressed about them, using them as a fun challenge. So if you look mm -hmm. at those four things, then you can look at problems a little differently. Does that make sense? It does. It does. Yeah. I'm, I'm struck by, you know, you say the, the, the centers never change. And, and I guess there are certain things in, in life um, that you could say are just principles. And of course, these might be different for different people or different in different contexts, you know, but, but, you know, an individual's values, for example, if you want to be, you know, aligned to them might be an example of centers that don't change. Yeah. 100%. It can go even more than, than that. It can go in the real world. You have laws. I can't break the yeah. law for certain things, right? Um, mm -hmm. Certain things like morals, uh, certain things like rules that you have at work, uh, other mm -hmm. things like physics in general. The laws of physics, just I, I, I can't fly, right? I can't mm -hmm. walk out the window and float. So there's certain things that are just natural truths, things that my wife says I can't do, uh, right? Mm -hmm. uh, that, that I have to follow rules. <laughs> These are all things that I have to work around. So if I understand how to yeah. work around them and use them as a guide, say, well, if that's the case, then let me use it as my map and then work around mm -hmm. that. That's very, very key. And that's kind of the core of understanding what's the truth about a problem. When you have a big mm -hmm. problem, you narrow it down into its core components. You know, the same thing of, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll use a practical example, um, pricing a product, right? As an example, mm -hmm. just a very, somebody needs to price a car. Well, how do you do that? Uh, well, in a way you kind of have to narrow it down to its core components and you have to narrow it down into core elements. So the fact mm -hmm. is, does, you know, is there a certain pieces of the car that I can buy for cheaper? Can I then reduce the, the price of the car based on the fact that I can get the materials cheaper or uh, have something where I'm sourcing it together, uh, doing things where I can actually look at uh, right down to uh, the actual physical prop properties of a product? Can I change the, 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 the core component so that it's a cheaper product uh, or cheaper materials to be able to have the same function? Like this is how I'm looking at a big problem. So if I'm just using it as a practical day-to-day -day, somebody that's in procurement and or in engineering and needs to solve the problem of of uh, making a product cheaper um how do i do that in a, in a way like i'm just narrowing it down right then mm -hmm. i have to go and say well now how can i practically make this all these pieces fit together and have all of the logistics and other things so the rules are there the physics are there the costing is there all of those things are are part of it right and i yeah. can relate this back to relationships i have i want to get married Okay, I got to narrow it down to, I got to be a nice person. I have to be able to talk to somebody. <laughs> and then when I do that, I have to actually care about that person. And I have to be able to understand them as a person. Like I'm narrowing it down into the things that matter and the things that actually are my guide, right? Um, yeah. the other thing, it opens up your, your eyes to things that you didn't know before or where you're not as self-centered, centered. you're kind of looking at the world in a little differently say, these are things that are around the world that will affect what I'm doing. Um, and that's kind of another thing I'll talk a little bit about some of the lessons I learned from the cube about humanity in general and, and how to work with yeah. advice from people. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'd, I'd love to go there next, because it was one of the things that really uh, inspired me when you were relating your experiences around teaching others to solve the cube. was just some of the real breakthrough stories that you had witnessed uh, with, with people. So can you give me give some examples of that? Yeah. 
Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, so one of the examples I'll give you is I had a, a, a nine-year-old autistic boy, and I'll, I'll give this example, um, and, while, and I'll actually kind of show what, what happened, but um, I was a bit arrogant when I was younger, and I would basically, uh, uh, you know, I would basically not listen to other folks. I would kind of do things the way that I wanted to do it, uh, and even when I solved the cube, I kind of uh, thought I knew everything about how to solve the cube. And then what ended up happening was um, I was teaching people and I was noticing that people were getting stuck and they were not solving it as fast and I was getting frustrated teaching beginners, right? So, but then when I taught this nine-year-old autistic boy who's now thriving and he charges people to learn how to do the cube so it makes his lunch money that way. Um, but he taught me a very valuable lesson. So as an example, kind of, I've already done the, the first cube and I'll, I'll use this as a practical lesson. I was teaching people in the third lesson was how do I get the, the center and how do I get these edges to all match, knowing that the center doesn't move so I don't worry about that. So I only have four of them I got to do. And I was doing it a very complicated way because the way I can do this, there's a left and a right way of doing it. And if you choose the wrong way, you're going to get stuck no matter what. If I give you a method or if I give you an algorithm, it's not going to work. So uh, this, this boy taught me this and he said, okay, well, um, this, the way I solve it is I use a story. <clears throat> it's a little gruesome, but you know, <laughs> uh, but let, let's take a look at what he did. He taught me, he says, okay, this has to go here because this is red and this is green. This is green and this is, oh, this is red, sorry. So this is green and red. So this has to go here. So I have to kind of bring it down here. So how do I do that? Well, first I do is I'm allergic to it. So I turn it over to the other side. I need to go here. Then what I do is I build a snowman, head, body, thorax. I take the head off the snowman, bury the body, take the head, uh, move it back onto the body, and then now look, I've just attached it. <laughs> right? So that's the thing. And you do that four times. And you say, okay, here, I'm going to do it again. Here's the, the blue and orange. This is blue and orange. So this has to go here. So I'm allergic to it. I build the snowman, take the head off the body, bury the body, put the head back on the body. And then now look, I've got that. So she taught me a very valuable lesson that even if I think that I know how to solve the cube, um, the reality is sometimes others have a better way of explaining it or a better way of solving it. And that was a very valuable lesson to me to, about the humanity of solving problems is sometimes use the experience of others, right? So yeah, no, I, I, yeah. I, 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 love, I love that lesson. And, and, you know, part of it is, is the importance of that as well as the humility that, that somebody needs yeah. to have, right? Because you, you've all this experience, you've solved this, you're teaching others how to solve it. And that might mean that you become uh, closed, right, to yeah. the wisdom that others have to offer. But by, by having that humility and opening up um, to you know, what others might, would be willing to offer and being approachable so that people can have that conversation, you know, yeah. it's amazing what can unfold from that. It's a great, great, great kind of a piece of uh, wisdom coming from that example. And, and, and let me uh, talk a little bit about that, uh, where one of the things that I've learned around this is, is uh, solving problems and teaching others. This is the other thing is when you solve mm -hmm. a problem, teach others, because then they will teach you back. They will teach you how to, mm -hmm. how to explain it to somebody else, but they also teach you other ways to solve certain types of problems. Mm -hmm. um, the patience is really key, right? And being able to encourage mm -hmm. somebody and be patient and understanding that they're going to give up multiple times. That was another thing. And knowing that they're going to give up, 
then you can get ahead of it by breaking the problem down for them and saying, when you mm. get stuck, this is what you're going to do next, right? So mm. those are some of the other things. And the other thing is use visual aid. So I can explain the exact same thing that I just explained to you about the snowman. You wouldn't get it until I actually mm. show you. So visual mm. aids are a very, very important thing. And the other thing is make it fun. So if you're not mm. making it fun, then people will typically shy away from it or forget about it. So if you make it really super fun, then people will look at it a, as a different way and they'll remember that as well. Mm -hmm. Yeah, fantastic. What, what do you think about how you apply it in your own context environment? So, you, you know, obviously you're working in, in a sales context uh, day to day. Yes. And, uh, yes. Managing salespeople and high performers. How does the cube model really act as a, a kind of way for you to think about how sure. you solve problems in that context? Sure. Um, so, you know, the cube model and kind of the method. Um, how I use it in daily life, I use it in a number of different ways of kind of breaking down uh, a problem. And every day I, I get thrown in the morning, I think I'm going to have a great day. And then all of a sudden, three problems happen before the before 8 a.m. I get an email from somebody, uh, customers very upset about something that they didn't know. A partner we're dealing with uh, is wondering why we're in, not including them in conversations uh, or uh, something is down and we have to kind of solve a problem where it's technically broken. And what I've learned to do is take that and not worry about solving the problem yet. But what I do first step is understanding how to break it into smaller tasks. So immediately in life, mm -hmm. I kind of look at things a little differently because I can get overwhelmed very simple, very quickly. If you throw a lot of things at me. So what I've learned as a method to cope with that is to kind of calm down, break it down into its core pieces and then focus in on that core and be hyper focused on that core piece that I need to deal with. And, and what ends up happening is it then starts to get into a, a, a piece, a, a kind of a method for me in my daily life where I now have a, a, a roadmap for the day. And I say, this is how I'm going to solve this problem. And if I can delegate to somebody else, great, I'm going to have somebody else do that for me. But that's the task. I'm going to be very specific about it. So it helps me to kind of stay focused and avoid feeling overwhelmed. That's one thing that I will say that mm -hmm. having a method and having a map, like if I dropped you in Portugal, didn't give you any type of map, you didn't have Google Maps, and you kind of just walked around, you would enjoy it. But if, let's say you had a meeting to go to and you had no clue how to get there, you would be stressed. Yeah. <laughs> so, and not speak the language and a whole bunch of other things. So, the first thing you're going to do is find out the map, find out where do I have to go, what time is the meeting at, what am I going to do for the meeting, how do am I going to get there, is there a car available? So I'm breaking it down into what are the things that I can do to get off of my plate to just make sure I'm only focusing in on my talk that I need for my meeting. As an example, that planning process. The other thing, um, you know, is learning something new. The other thing I love the fact is that I try not to get bored, right? And I get bored very easily. So what I try to do is look for things that are new, look for different ways of looking at solving the problem. When you solve a problem one way, you get very bored solving it the same way. So why look at different ways of solving the same problem? So now people, and I got some feedback about my team uh, recently where my managing director came back and said, you know what, I'm getting a lot of people talking about how, you know, we uh, last year we kind of changed your team a little bit and, and some of the folks in your team went on to another team and the managing, uh, the manager for that team came back and said, you know what, when I, when I talk about a challenge that I have for getting our, our numbers or talking about a problem that we have with customers, you, the folks that, that graduated from your 
uh, territory over to ours always have great ideas. They always are willing to bring up the first idea. And a lot of that has been the way that I've been doing it as well. We never kind of just statically stay there. We kind of look at different ways. Um, the other yeah. thing is, is being able to be motivated to solve a problem. So you're not, you know, you're not desperate and kind of saying, oh, I'm giving up. So giving mm -hmm. up is a big problem with people with ADHD. You procrastinate a lot. You don't do it. So what I find mm -hmm. is that it helps me to not procrastinate and mo get motivated. And the other thing is just boredom. If you're feeling bored, I just pick up a cube and just start solving it. I'm now at a point where I can solve it with one hand uh, beside here. And, and sometimes I don't even have to look at it. And all of a sudden, I'm just, I'm just you know, muscle memory. And I'm, I'm, I'm actually solving it without me even knowing, right? So that's part of the other thing is just realizing that the cube itself, uh, you know, is, is a way to motivate, uh, you know, uh, come up with new ideas of looking at a problem that people maybe haven't thought of. And the other thing, you know, is just making me not bored uh, in life, right? Mm -hmm. So I always get very excited about the people I meet by teaching this, um, like you and me met, right? Because uh, a lot yeah. of it was, you know, uh, we, and we went beyond kind of just the lesson that you gave, which you were, mm -hmm. you know, you basically tasked to do. So it was just part of your task. We've now become mm -hmm. friends. More than that, mm -hmm. because the task now translated into, hey, I see this person as a human being and can teach me something. Great. I want to know more mm -hmm. about that. So the same thing yeah. that we want is that human connection that I have. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I'm, I'm reflecting on the um, video I saw you uh, uh, on where you were using the cube to deliver your best man's wedding speech. Yeah, <laughs> awesome. There is advice for solving marriage problems. And, and, and if you go at Google search, there's this thing called YouTube. Apparently, it's pretty good. Uh, you go do a search on best man speech Rubik's Cube or Cube. And you'll see it there. And it was very famous. I basically went through and we were doing a talk. And, and I was doing my best man speech. And I was talking about how, the, you know, the centers are, you know, things your wife will tell you, your, your fiance at home, wife will tell you that you can't do. Um, and, and working around that and then narrowing it down to the core components and looking for advice from others and taking advice from your significant other um, and then uh, ultimately kind of taking things one step at a time and looking at every layer, building a strong foundation and moving there. That's kind of the core. And then at the end of it, I solved the cube in my talk and I just did it automatically to kind of do it. But I took them through a step-by-step -step process and it, it and it, everybody erupted in applause and and even to this day i still get a lot of those folks that were at that wedding calling me and solving cube and we they all kind of have learned how to solve the cube now which is really cool yeah yeah well i definitely recommend people uh, do a bit of a youtube search for that and indeed a lot of your lessons for how to solve the cube are also available on youtube uh, if people want to search well we'll put some links in the show notes for folks for that so emmanuel we're, we're, we're almost at time but um, before i let you go um, I have one question that I like to ask all my guests. Um, obviously, um, you know, I'm kind of very much focused on uh, leadership development. And I'm curious, when you look at the world today, with all of its complex problems, what do you think is most important for leadership uh, today? So um, I kind of look at it as um, a few things and a few core principles that I look at when I teach leaders as well about the cube. Um, one is... Uh, being curious and open-minded, right? So being able to make sure that you're not closed-minded to ideas uh, and being able to be curious about, hey, that's a problem that nobody else has been able to solve. Let me go solve it. Let me go see if I can attack it with, 
you know, with my team or by myself or figure out how to do it uh, as, as kind of a project. Um, that's one thing that's very important. The other thing is when teaching the cube, the what it's taught me a lot, and I, I hope leaders will look at this as well, is is being empathetic, right? And mm. being compassionate to people and be patient with people. Let them learn it. There are people that will not learn at the same pace as you. They look at things differently. Some people are not good at spatial puzzles. I know that mm. for a fact. The autistic boy that I taught, it took me six months for him to just get past the lesson. You know how frustrating mm. that is if I wasn't patient and compassionate? So, but now he's, he, he, he's now surpassed me in terms of teaching and being inspirational. So that's another thing is mm. being empathetic and compassionate. Um, the other thing is um, look at problems in a way where they shouldn't be daunting and you should use them as a way to, um, to be decisive in your decisions. I'm going to do this, this step I'm going to do. I'm hyper-focused on this. This is what I'm going to do. So that's the other thing is being decisive about things in leadership. When you're solving the cube, if you get to the last lesson, um, what happens is that uh, that last lesson will ultimately um, not go very well if you make one mistake. So if I make one mistake, I have to start all over again, right? Mm. Uh, so if that's the case, then what I want to do is make sure that um, I can really be methodical about how I'm doing mm. it and have the steps that I know. And I know there's seven steps to solve the cube. And if I ever get stuck, I always go back, right? So mm. that's how key. And be optimistic about things. The fact is, I don't have to worry about solving the cube, but be optimistic that I'm going to solve the cube. And it's just yeah. a matter of, oh, I've got to learn these seven steps. Great. Okay. So then I learn the seven steps. And then after I learn the seven steps, then I will basically have the cube solved. Right. So at the end of the day, um, leadership is about inspiring others. It's about taking action and getting results. A result is a, is a, is, is a solution to a problem. And that's all it is. That's what the cube is. So that's my advice. Um, so, uh, you know, and anyone else that wants to hear from me, they're welcome to kind of uh, reach out to me, call me at any time, look, look for me online uh, on LinkedIn or on Instagram or on YouTube. I'm all over the place. Uh, and I'm happy to kind of uh, go through the same thing to teach you how to solve the first lesson, okay? Wonderful. Manuel, I want to thank you again uh, for making the time to join us on, on the show today. Really appreciate it. Always love connecting with you and uh, I look forward to uh, our next lesson, actually. <laughs> yes, absolutely. We're on lesson number one we're getting through, right? And we're going to go through yeah. that. And one thing I'll leave you with is a quote from Erno Rubin, right? And if you're curious, you'll find puzzles around you. If you're determined, you will solve them. Love it. Love it. Okay. <laughs> Thanks, Manuel. Take care. Awesome. <laughs>